As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Brian Swanson and Big Numbers, the Sleazy Six, the Dirty Dozen, politicians issuing yellow cards, Countdown Susie Dent, Cracked Badges, Hysterical European Front Pages, Homemade Banners, Ian Holloway, Prince Philip, Rob Holdings Piano, and 101,000 abandoned Twitter followers. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of the subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 66 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me to pick through an unprecedented 48 hours or so in football is first of all Charlie Eccleshell. What a good time to not be covering Spurs because you're on uh, on leave, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, paternity leave couldn't have come at a worse time from a newsy perspective. I did, I did brace myself for um, Mourinho maybe going at some point. So that was one thing and then yeah, throw in this kind of existential threat to the game yeah. and, and everything like that uh yes it's been kind of FOMO to the nth degree but hey that that's football for you truly is football for you alongside you David Walker Dave what the hell are we are going to try and achieve here today because the whole thing is a mess and I've been trying to pick a bar sort of a way through it but are you clear in your mind about what we're doing here? <laughs> I, I'm about as clear in my mind as I think Florentino Perez was when he when he decided <laughs> to get the whole gang together at the weekend um who knows? But I mean, it's, it has been genuinely some. You know, we've all been doing this for for a little while, and we've all, we've all seen crises 
many times before, but there have been some genuinely jaw-dropping moments over the last 48 hours. Like, just, just, just breaking news after breaking news after breaking news, each one going up, like, exponentially. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been amazing. Manna from heaven for the Football Clichés podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know, there was a... Um... There was a time sort of halfway through Sunday afternoon where the following clip was, I thought, was going to be the most um, talked about moment of the last few days. Uh, It got subsequently quite overshadowed, but let's listen to it anyway. This is Martin Tyler speculating on Sean Dyche's um, home routine. Sean Dyche, whatever the weather is in... (laughs) Always an immaculate white shirt. Mrs. Deitch must do some great ironing. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe he does it himself. Yes. In today's world, he should do it himself. Yes, it's <laughs> fine. Lindelof. Um, yeah, it's just, Dave, I really enjoyed sort of Tyler sort of um, casually dragging himself back through the decades there to safety. It was really, really good. There was something about that clip because you've chosen the one that doesn't have the the fake crowd noise that kind of, I can almost imagine him like he's retired and he's just gone to a game and he's just there on his own, just sort of <laughs> commentating <laughs> to himself. himself. Yeah. I've sort of found myself the last couple of days, almost like I'll be reading something or listening to something. I'm like, this is just going to be outdated in like half an hour by some other like <laughs> cataclysmic event. It's It's been the weirdest sort of, uh, like unending news cycle. Well, it's the job of the Clichés podcast this week to kind of sift through all of this and the, the media coverage and our general reaction because I feel like we're all complicit in, in in building what has happened this week in terms of the reaction. And so it was a, it, it was a kind of chastening wake-up call for the modern game, a, a depressing look behind the curtain of the elite football clubs, but most of all, a tremendous 48 hours for football content. They want a bigger slice of the pie these clubs are saying we want a new pie and it's going to be our pie and we're going to eat it all this is the front page of the spanish sport newspaper marca super ridiculo the phone clubs will receive an amount of three and a half billion euros it was just greed 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 from start to finish and they're they're called or so-called the big six arsenal and tottenham i mean I'd rather watch the champions of San Marino than them two at the moment, to be honest with you. Name them. What are they going to play for? The JP Morgan Trophy. (laughs) This idea is a a spit in the face of all football lovers. And the situation we have now is civil war in football. Civil war. There are snakes close to us. How close? The future of this project is now hanging in the balance. Then the news filtered through about the rumours of Chelsea's intention to leave, and this was the reaction. Right, so Charlie, I feel like that's a that's a reasonably um, comprehensive whistle stop tour for the for a forty eight hour news cycle that we have never seen before. Um, let, let's let's start at the beginning of that. I mean, the the very first reaction to it was basically just shock, wasn't it? It was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, shock, and I, and I guess trying to put it in sort of terms that we understand. So the civil war 
Mm. No, this is a nuclear war, which yeah. I think was also said. So oh, it's, right. it's the it's not just a civil war; it's more than that. Um, yes, so trying to yeah place that shock in some sort of wider context using the language of you know the end of the world apocalypse, mm. I guess. But it, it moved on fairly quickly, Dave. I mean, once we'd all kind of processed the information and as it was filtering through during a game, which is always very dramatic. Um, I think it got to the point on on uh, Tuesday night during the Chelsea game where they were sort of doing the breaking news at the bottom of the screen while the game was going on. That's how much it was it was eating into uh, the actual football. But I, th- I feel like the shock kind of evolved into kind of the moral indignation that the, the kind of real moral panic started really early on about, you know, this, people should be ashamed about this. And that began very early on. Look, we're not we're not here we're not here to debate the the moral the no. moral uh, rights and wrongs of this of this thing, but it it has it has been fascinating to me to to see that the sort of unquestioning call to arms everyone the, the, it was just there was there was yeah. no there was no there, there wasn't really m- many dissenting voices and probably rightly so, but it was just so obviously that this was the line in the sand, and lots of people have mm. rightly pointed out that kind of been very much sleepwalking into this for a long time, but all of a sudden it was like mm. oh what they've Hang on a minute. They've pressed the nuclear button. They've actually pressed it. What have we? Well, what what have we got? To, what do we have to do now? Have we got to press our button now? Where is our button? Like it's. It's true though as well. Sorry, just on on the point of like um, everyone being on the same page. I was thinking that if you're the Today program or something like that, you know, you want balance. So you know, let's get someone who's furious about it, but we also want to get someone pro. But obviously, all the people pushing for it were silent. So it was a really strange dynamic where it was just everyone just queuing up basically to take shots and agree with one another. Like I, I can't remember seeing something quite so unifying. That, that, but that was quite handy as a, as a kind of football consumer. Uh, and I use that word very tentatively now in this current <laughs> climate, but as someone who was kind of absorbing all of this for mostly entertainment purposes, that was quite handy, David, not being a divisive issue because you could push aside any potential debate. You didn't have to waste your time sort of watching people argue about it. It was just a constant stream of of competitive kind of moral one-upmanship. Is, is, is that a good way of describing it? Because the moral kind of outrage at the start then kind of... This is my next favourite bit of the, of the whole journey was when it people started angrily dismissing the big six, the so-called big six and saying, let them go. Go on, let them go off and create their super league. It just got it got so I, I can't genuinely can't think of the word, but it got so dismissive and so just just indignant. And it was so brilliant to watch people just go, go on, then fuck off. The let the let them goers were, were very, were very <laughs> loud. And indeed, a lot of the, these people quite rightly have been banging this drum for for a long time the sort of let do we need them do we really need arsenal and liverpool manchester united yeah, do yeah. We, we don't need them anymore they're not they're already in there they're already in a super league really aren't they and yeah morally it's fine i sort of i get it i'm on board with that with that spirit of yeah. just go on then but really like you've seen all those tables you know they're kind of this is what the premier league would have looked like if the top 6 weren't in it and hmm. yes it, it's not as good. Like if Watford won the Premier League two years ago because none of those teams are in it, like my best memories as football fans is beating those teams, playing and you know, and indeed being thrashed by them many times. But I think you you need your enemies as much as they need you. I think. I think contra- natural contrarians weren't really willing to go as far as saying like it's a good idea. But yeah. what did happen 
there was a there was a camp that was kind of like oh what you know basically whoever was sort of speaking they were trying to undermine them so it'd be like oh gary neville's talking about it well but he once played for Man United, who are owned by the Glazers. That's a bit rich, isn't <laughs> He's it? Or his way out of Jamie Carragher. Yeah, Jamie Carragher went to Abu Dhabi in 2011, and <laughs> here he is, you know, moralising to us. And it's kind of like, yeah, but obviously there are different, and you know, kind of saying that, well, you know, UEFA's greedy, which is true. Again, mm. you know, that one, I, and, I, and I've made that point as well that that was a bit rich. But I think it was, you know, that, and then this other school that was like, well. You know, football's fucked anyway. So, yeah, yeah. what is this really? What any did different? you expect? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. That kind of yeah. like, I'm going to be really world, like you know, world weary, and like, well, yeah. football's about money, mate. You know, da, 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 yeah. As, you know, as if it wasn't something to get angry about. Can you remember anything where everyone has been so utterly united? I haven't seen any mental columnists from from the papers mm. like saying football needs this Super League because it's the best thing. And normally you would get this wild contrarian take just for hits from the Daily Mail or from wherever. I haven't seen any of that. Everyone has been united. Well, I think that's this is another aspect of it that that people will maybe look back on in this 48-hour period is that it was such an uncluttered um, part of um, sort of period for football. As you say, there were there were no dissenting voices, and surprisingly, Charlie, there was no kind of tribalism as well. It didn't get down to kind of whataboutery and sort mm. of you know, oh, my club's getting hammered for this more than others. I didn't see any of that, which I was really really fascinated by. So again, that was really a nice thing to set aside that we didn't have to worry about that. So what we were left with was um, kind of this kind of escalating fury, but everyone being on the same page, which I'd never seen before. It made for really really easy to consume period of the news cycle which i'd never seen i guess because of that more tweets and things like that were going viral and that sort of thing because everyone was so in you know just the retweets and likes it was it was like you know i I probably live in an echo chamber anyway we all do but it was like it was just everyone was kind of in it together and yeah there was no one to directly ridicule either there was there was was no one to quote retweet which was really frustrating uh, (laughs) yeah uh, i mean yeah it was just this kind of faceless organization that was um putting out news which was just absolutely hilarious but Dave, let's let's pick up on our first port of call when it comes to the kind of iconography of, of a crisis as it unfolds. Uh, Sky Sports News inevitably is, is the place to go for this sort of thing. But I feel like no big story has ever really reached its peak in football until Brian Swanson <laughs> is on Sky Sports God, News it. reading out a really big number. <laughs> and in fact, this number was so big, he had to stop and zoom in on his phone to make sure it was correct. They also say here that the founding clubs will receive an amount of... Three and a half billion euros. <laughs> the, the pause between three and a half billion and Huge. euros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Um, they didn't have it. They should have had a totalizer for this. At one time, they didn't have the totalizer in this in the studio. It could be quite handy to really ram home just how many <laughs> zeros were involved here. Charlie, um, I felt like this moment was particularly welcome for a certain section of people who cannot stop moaning about modern football. Danny Baker, for example, I felt like he sent the exact same tweet once an hour for about 48 hours in a row. It was absolutely <laughs> relentless. Um, this this was this was the lightning rod that a lot of people have been waiting for, I suspect. Yeah, I'd never heard this expression before, and I, and I don't imagine he coined it, but Dan Zakiri um, from Telegraph, who's well worth mm. a follow, he's great on Twitter, he he talked about Danny Baker being prolier than thou, um, which I thought was... <laughs> was was spot on but dave elsewhere i mean you know specifically when when we were sort of absorbing all of this on tv especially on monday night football with carragher and neville 
all the rules went out the window. Mm. For example, Gary Neville was saying the names of other broadcasters. Um, listener Matthew says it was like hearing WWF mention WCW. <laughs> Not that I know anything about that. <laughs> it's right. There's like it's an true. Unri- there's like an unwritten rule that you can't mention competitors. But for that 48 hours, all the rules were gone. Let's hear it. It's great. Everybody's got to come behind this. Pundits for BBC, ITV, BT Sport. Forget allegiances. I was loving that. I loved it. Like the, the sort of media geek in me sitting there watching going oh 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 he said bbc he said itv he's what's he gonna say next how long is he gonna go is he gonna say five live is he gonna say talk sport will he mention the athletic (laughs) when's it gonna stop (laughs) the manchester evening news premier sports (laughs) satanta Once I'd once I'd once I'd got over the the shock of just hearing another broadcaster's name on there, then then I processed Charlie the fact that um, he was even implying that sort of you know there are kind of tribalism within broadcasters that they they might otherwise not get on the same page behind this, um, which was you know, that shows how deep we are in football consumption to even suggest that uh, a BT Sport pundit would never ever ever get behind a Sky Sports pundit for a, for a common cause <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's even bridge that divide yeah. Um, but yeah as you said the fact that it was so jarring shows that that genuinely is uh, <laughs> it did feel really significant this perhaps Dave was the moment where it, I think it got a little bit too silly they got a little bit too carried away on Monday Night Football this was when poor Dave Jones um, who seems to have to have to kind of chair this nonsense every week not nonsense, but you know, um, upscaled debate. He was he was doing his usual job of, of running through the upcoming fixtures on Sky Sports for the week, and Gary Neville just absolutely piggybacking on it. Let's let's hear that because it is fantastic. Tuesday, Chelsea Brighton, seven thirty. Wednesday, Mourinho Spurs up against Southampton. Come Villa on, take on City. Come on, Southampton. <laughs> on Wednesday night. Come on, Villa. I missed this. On Friday night, Gary. Come on, Everton. <laughs> that's it the boundaries between the boundaries between the broadcaster and someone's sofa completely torn down absolutely brilliant it's so true as well because think of like the uh sort of like phony outrages there have been when it's been perceived that a commentator you know was more emphatic about one team's goals than another and Mm. you know that oh it's you know Neville's bias towards United or whatever it is and then you just have this as you say all the rules just chucked away um, with with no uh, with no thought of the consequences he did the same on on his the original rant that he did live on yeah on the on Super Sunday and he, he was you know obviously it was completely off the cuff and he just watched Burnley against Manchester United and he was going oh you know chuck Arsenal out of the league Fulham can win the title Burnley can win the title and he got so he got yeah. so het up about it all he went oh just give the title to Fulham he called Fulham Bullum. Fulham but a word on Neville though Dave because um he I mean he once he'd gathered his thoughts he was obviously incredibly impressive but it went it went beyond that because I felt like he set the tone from then on because the reaction before he'd he'd really got his teeth into the whole concept was it was a bit ominous it was a bit uh oh here we go what are the kind of these powerful overlords about to do to football and then he kind of as we've already demonstrated so far he kind of just threw it all out the window said right no we've got to get we have to get demonstrably angry about this in public and that opened the furious floodgates from then on everything was disgusting everything was revolting and everyone should be ashamed of themselves so i felt like he led led all of that it didn't nothing really exploded until he allowed it to he is the perfect figurehead to to lead the charge against this 
you know this evil corporate greed that we are we are seeing and he, he could you know he lit the touch paper completely i th- i think the most important moment was on sunday when yeah. when they it just broke he's live on air they had they had Roy Keane and Michael Richards in the studio, who n- neither of mm. whom really were—it's not their bag. They're not—they're not there to, to debate yeah. the politics of football. They're—they're they're there to flag mm. off the you know terrible efforts from the Manchester United players or whatever. But Neville, completely—if he didn't do that, honestly, I think the whole thing could have been different because he just launched into it and he—and he, and he, and he, he right. slagged off the Glazers. He had a pop at everyone, you know, his own club, and said, "We've got to do something about this." And from that moment onwards, it just. Yeah, the dominoes started tumbling, didn't they? It queued up Monday foot Monday night football really, really well, Charlie, because it, it was it got to the point where the, um, Carragher and Neville were so anticipated. Their response for the first hour before the game even started was so hugely anticipated that Sky actually opened it up on YouTube for free for people to watch it, which is kind of an unprecedented level of expectation for a analysis program. That's that's how elevated the status of Monday Night Football has become and can only be a good thing for kind of football discussion, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I think going way back on one of the podcasts we did about ways of watching football and I was saying how, hmm. you know, with Monday Night Football, often from seven to eight is, you know, the good stuff. And then it's yeah. like, oh, but Burnley v Newcastle's on. I guess they better <laughs> actually show the game. And, and this felt like the kind of natural end point of that. Like, really, yeah. Yeah. I saw some people saying, and I think seriously, I would agree with it you know in a way put the Liverpool leads on the red button and let everyone just watch you know <laughs> Neville and Carragher Carragher chatting for four happened. hours that I would mean, have been incredible I, most people would sort of want that and then um, you know I have to say I, I was uh, you know really eagerly anticipating mm. seeing them chat <laughs> so, and, and you yeah. know obviously this is brilliant for the broadcaster but you know it's a credit to them that they have become this sort of must watch thing and that they, they were willing to touch on these issues and I think you guys are right like it, it was really important because it would have been very easy for a lot of pundits to think mm, it's generally not really worth your while sort of professionally commercially you know to, to go slagging something or someone off and he did rip all of that up um, but yeah, it was it was it was must watch TV. You have hit upon something there, though, that we should we should we should acknowledge. Just the same way that Sky had to acknowledge their role in this, it's been great for us, isn't it? You, you know, this whole the whole the hour the whole outrage and everything and the moral outrage and the, and the, and all of that, which we're all completely behind. We have been sitting there thinking, Christ, the numbers are good today, aren't they? Like, can we <laughs> can we have a Super League announcement every Sunday, please? Just perfectly timed yeah. at this at this juncture. You never, you never know. The next twist of this, it might be, might turn out to have been one massive media invention just to get a bit of engagement for all our <laughs> media outlets who were struggling towards the um, end of the pandemic. But um, funnily enough, despite all this bitter outrage that kicked off in the first sort of 36 hours or so, Dave, Adam Farrell writes in and says, despite the game being closer than ever to actually going... I'm not sure I heard one single non-ironic utterance of the game's gone, which which is an interesting twist for the phrase because we've done a whole episode on the game's mm. gone and we talked about all the elements of football that kind of spark that phrase to be said. But it turns out it's quite a trivial thing. Like it's <laughs> it's um, you know we get annoyed about foul throws and the balls being outside of the quadrant and stuff. But when the when the game is actually threatened to its very core. The phrase perhaps just isn't adequate. Is that fair to I, say? I'm completely. Uh, but I, you're right, though. I think it's a complete, a complete, one hundred percent failure from all the games gone merchants out there. <laughs> they they had their one chance to finally utter that sentence with credibility. The game mm. went for forty eight hours. The game 
fled these shores and went to yes. Euro Super yes. League land, and and no one said anything about it. Yeah, I, I think th- that does just support that you know that whole podcast, which was focused on mm-hmm. the fact that it is these uh, that whole episode that it is those kind of more minor irritations. Yeah, um, you know, and that. Uh, the, the, you know the the game probably more went with with some kind of minor infraction over the course of the weekend than mm. than it did with the game actually going. As if this, I mean, as if the story couldn't couldn't get more dramatic. I felt like this was a nice little flourish, um, which was when the Guardian found hidden in the code of the website of the Super League, which was which was uh, ostensibly Dave a very paper thin affair, um, almost to the point where it kind of it, it fed the conspiracy theory that this was all one big mm. bluff. And that and that the Champions League reforms we need to get you know pushed through on the back of it and um, so we were talking about like a three-page website that outlined a very basic um, idea of the Super League but the Guardian went in and found hidden within the code this massive mission statement for the Super League which was full of awful um, overlord language but it did include the phrase technology enhanced rule implementation which sounded a bit like they weren't allowed to use VAR because it's like a trademark or something but but it was just it was nice to have that little extra layer of kind of bond villain depth I know, I like that. Technology-enhanced rule implementation. The, the new system would be called Terry. Oh, nice! Which, which, which actually is a good thing. Maybe the only one... A whole lot more palatable. Yeah, much, much better than what we've got Terry. now. But, I mean, yeah, I did... I, that was my first thought. Like, really? You've, you've, you've got a website. You've set up a website. You've got... You've literally got billions to play with. And you've got the Prime Minister's ex-director of communications or whatever as the running the PR operation for this. And you've got a website. Yeah. You've, you've just not coded the website securely <laughs> enough. You've Like, who is doing this? Some, like, an absolute shambles to the point where, yeah, you do think, is this just a leak? You know, oh, no, oh, no you've not found the hidden thing, have you? Oh, oh God. <laughs> That's a very good point. I, you're more cynical, perhaps, than, than I am, or just perhaps more intelligent. But I just... In my head, I'm just thinking they could never have conceived that someone would look into the code of the website to find the mission statement for our silly league. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, just, it was just it was just a lovely little um, flourish that got hidden away amongst all the tide of outrage. But it was a real, really interesting 48 hours for the phrase "the big six, Charlie, because we've talked about it in really kind of um, throwaway terms in this podcast in the past about what we sh- what defines the big six. This got a real grilling over the last few days. I mean, we got the so-called big six. They were they were the self-styled big six, which a lot of people queried because they're like, well, no, I don't think they call themselves that, but I bet they do in private. Anyway, <laughs> the BBC's Dan Rowan referred to them as the Rebel Alliance, which <laughs> really took it on we're, we're, a bit. I saw them referred to as the sleazy six. I've got to jump in at the Rebel Alliance bit, though. I mean, any yeah. self-respecting Star Wars fan should know that the Rebel Alliance are the good guys. Right. Completely falls down. The Galactic Empire mm. is, is, is who the the big six should be compared I didn't know to. it was possible to be a self-respecting Star Wars fan. That's <laughs> so a fair on. point, yeah. <laughs> a self-appointed, self-styled <laughs> Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, so we, we, we got the sleazy six, which, which to me was just uh, a little bit too light. Uh, and then uh, Alexander Seferin, the head of UEFA, um, weighed in with his, uh, his label too. Football will not be sold, uh, sold to... to, to, to... I call them dirty dozen. 
<laughs> dirty dozen. Um, Charlie, we were at risk at this point of getting a little bit too pantomime, weren't we? D- the way he delivered that as well was was very good. Very pantomime <laughs> with the pause. I was thinking as well, I mean, Peter Drury had uh, Big Six, didn't he, and his um, dislikes on Meza Harlan Dick. So that was really... Um, I mean, I- I'm not suggesting he was the first person to uh, to think that, but it's it's been, you know, that's been the talking point um, or one of the talking points in all of this, as you say, the so-called, the self-appointed. Um, are they self-appointed? But yeah, that did. Have we not? Have well, we not dubbed them the, the big six? Well, I mean, a lot of people suggesting it is a kind of it's a media construct, but I think it's gone beyond that now. I mean, if they are meeting in private amongst themselves, then there you are. You are the self-appointed big six, and and it's nowhere near beyond the realms of imagination that at least one of those chief executives has called themselves the big six. On the Zoom invite, yeah, it could be like big, big <laughs> yeah. six, big six meeting. <laughs> yes. I want to continue on the, the theme of Alexander Seferin, Dave, because um, he really stepped up to the plate. Mm. I mean, he saw an opportunity like many did to really kind of enhance his own reputation for him. Uh, in, a, in a debate which was so obviously clear cut. But there, there was a stage at which he came across as really knowing his football. He really, really <laughs> got it. UEFA competitions, my dear friends, need Atalantas, Celtics, Rangers, Dinamo Zagrebs and Galatasarays of this world. We need <laughs> those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Charlie, I, I think football pluralisation has really, really hit the mainstream when we've got a Slovenian lawyer just effortlessly pluralising European football teams. That's great, isn't it? This is great news for us. <laughs> that was amazing. And it makes you wonder if if that's a translation to other languages. I'd be really curious to know, actually, do other languages have that uh, linguistic quirk as well? Um, or has he just has it been translated so carefully that it gets across the sort of patois of, uh, of English football speak? I hope they do it in other languages, Dave. I mean, I mean if they pluralise in Italian, for example, that's... I mean, that would be genuinely spectacular to listen to because it just changes the whole way that the word sounds. I really, really hope that they pluralise in other languages. It's not its not even dawned on me before that they might do it. I really hope so. We'll have to ask James Horncastle, I suppose. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I love that. I hadn't seen that clip. One, and of this world, he slipped in the nice little of this world. Yeah, I know, that was it. <laughs> that was it. Brilliant. It's almost like he's been listening to this podcast, which I really hope he does. If you are, Alexander, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I mean, but just to draw a line under this particular incident, Charlie, that was that was appropriate pluralising because he was he was talking about types of clubs that deserve mm. to exist. It wasn't necessarily about the specifics. It didn't care, it wasn't about Atalanta specifically. So this was good pluralising. He nailed it. He nailed it. Yeah, the sort of precision you'd expect from a former lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> Lovely stuff. It became very evident early on, Dave that the UK media were going to quickly run out of synonyms for greed because we just kept using so many pundits were just throwing the word out there and then pausing and then just hoping that that would sort of seep in um, so I don't think it's ever a good sign when countdown Susie Dent subtweets somebody <laughs> with a word that nobody has ever heard of in this case it was and let me get this right it was ingordigiousness ingordigiousness which means extreme greed and insatiable desire for wealth at any cost um, I really like I, that to start creeping into football discourse. Yeah, I mean, I really like Brian Swanson to pronounce that really slowly. <laughs> it take him about half an hour the way he talked. <laughs> the ingordigiousness of the three and a half billion euros. <laughs> euros. <laughs> One hundred fifty-one thousand likes for uh, for Susie Dent there. Great number. Just showing the um, great for business. Yeah, the kind of the power yeah, exactly. Of yeah, it, we should we should get her on cliche, shouldn't we? 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Given that it, and we, we, we've said this often already, but given, Dave, that it was such a one-sided debate, there was no dissenting voices, inevitably then politicians got involved because they knew that there would be no blowback. Um, it was such an easy way for them to uh, get involved in uh, popular discourse. So it was an absolute tap-in for a couple of them. Uh, first of all, Gavin Williamson, within a space of about 20 minutes to two different broadcasters, said the following and recognise they're part of a football community. Step back from it. It's a clear yellow card from the government. It's time that these six clubs listened, uh, recognising that we want the, uh, these clubs to be able to step back. They've been shown the yellow card. It's uh, important that they listen to the government, to their fans, to the people yeah, that actually they, make they these they clubs. Dave, this genuinely skin-crawling. Genuinely skin-crawling. It's too easy. It's too, I, feel, I feel like there is. there must be like... Part of the part of the ministerial handbook must be must come with a, a series of stock phrases they can use when anything in relation to sport, football, or sport comes up. Charlie, I just hate the idea that there would have been an advisor somewhere saying, "Right, I've, I've got I've got one." If you say yeah. <laughs> like yellow card, it would be really really cool. You'd be really in touch. I just yeah. I mean, I know we've spoken about this before, but this is the most the most just awful example of it so far. Yeah, I think, yeah, we want to show you, Afer that this is going to be a, a, a game of two halves. And it's like, you know, these ones that no one would ever, ever say. And also yellow card feels like um, not going that far. No. no. Maybe sort of pointing out various of the international football industry that they had committed transgressions and that therefore it was time, <laughs> time to put them. Um, it reached its inevitable end point, Dave, um, in the sun with Boris Johnson writing, it is your game and you can rest assured that I'm going to do everything I can to give this ludicrous plan a straight red. <laughs> oh, no! No! <laughs> Never. This cannot happen again. Can we all agree that, that this is it? He's con- that there cannot be any more football analogies in, in politics. He's, consult- he's consulted Terry and upgraded Gavin Williamson's yellow to a, to a, to a straight <laughs> red. There. Yeah. Oh, nice. Lovely stuff. So, Charlie, um, the iconography of a crisis, this was everywhere. Cracked badges. This was the the perfect storm for cracked badges. I saw cracked badges, Charlie, for the big six um, in in the Spanish new- newspaper Ass. I saw an entire cracked pitch, which I'd never seen before. 
cracked badges were really in their element here. We did a we did a yeah, cracked globe, you... didn't we? The, the Athletic. Oh, the pieces. Athletic did a cracked globe. No, it was more of a tear through Europe, all the way through to North Africa. So an imprecise tear, but very it had an artistic flair to it, which uh, which I thoroughly approved of, quite frankly. And could be, and it was repairable, I guess, which tr- proved to be prophetic. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, I mean, where do you? I guess because yeah, once you've cracked a badge, you need to go bigger. So a pitch, a globe. Um, but yeah, an absolute sort of golden age for for the crack badge phenomenon, which I know you've kept a close eye on yeah, um, for years now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, I feel like it's very much my domain. But Dave, I mean, there were all sorts of um, newspaper staples that came out of this. My favourite one was in the Daily Star on Monday, I believe, um, alongside um, such headlines as Tom Jones Fart Hell. Um, was the big front page splash what what possibly could that be about (laughs) fart hell as well which implies that he can't stop farting I I don't know (laughs) anyway on the front of the Daily Star was um, a huge front page splash um, headlined big sick shame at the top and the headline uh, continued with, can we have our football back, please, mister? <laughs> and it was a football zipped open. A football that was zipped open. It was a generic black and white panelled football, mm-hmm. of course. Zipped open to include lots of 5, 10 and 20 pound notes surrounded by the club badges. But crucially, <laughs> crucially, all of this was a cut out and keep Oh, thing. wonderful. So it had the dotted line and the scissors, which never, ever fails to impress what, I mean, so you're supposed, to, and, uh, supposed to stick it in your window? The instructions were to cut out and stick in your window? <laughs> yeah. Who are you trying to convince? It's like, it's like you know, some sort, the sort of thing you'd see for like a local election or some sort of, some sort of <laughs> grassroots activism in your local area to save the local leisure centre. Who's doing that? I just love the idea of someone doing the school run, walking past someone's window going, oh, do you know what? This is going to be quite ruinous for uh, the <laughs> landscape of European football. I'm dead against it. Also, the thing that you'd see, if, if anyone out there has actually done the, done this, any the, the discerning Daily Star reader has decided to take a stand and put the cutout and keep image in your window, it's the sort of thing that you you would see that like they just end up leaving it there forever until they move house or the house becomes derelict <laughs> and you just yeah. walk past in 20 years and see a, a real faded beige yeah. image of this yeah. cracked football still in someone's... Curling at the sides. On a tangent here, if you're walking down the street and you see a kind of derelict house that has kind of newspapers lined in the window, they're such a good time capsule for football because your eyes are immediately drawn to like a headline. Can I can I see it? And I was like, oh, just imagine that day back again. <laughs> It'd be something like, which is like a matchable like Van Persie strikes three as Arsenal cruise or something like that. You just think, wow. Jean arrives at the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's enough of that. But... Speaking of newspapers, Charlie, there is a threshold um, for any news story in football, at which point we are forced to consult the front pages of foreign newspapers to see what they are saying. Mm. And mm. Uh, as we as we referenced in our intro today, um, Marker's massively brilliant headline of Super Ridiculo. Um, when it doesn't need translating, I feel like that is the best, the best one. When they get so hysterical that they use universal language. Yeah, and a real time saver if you are... <laughs> the person who's tasked with kind of doing that foreign paper roundup, which is, you know, it can, be, can be quite a tedious job trying to work yeah. out exactly what everything means, especially if you're not a native speaker. But yeah, super ridiculo. That could have been, yeah, in any language, that, that sums it up perfectly. And Dave, we, we got a plane banner on uh, on Monday night, didn't we? Thank God. Yeah, it was above Ellen Road, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's right. Again, just hats off to 
the the speed of action from the football community at large since this news broke on Sunday. So the two things that jumped out at me that game, first, firstly, the plane. Like, is it? The, yep. You know, I'm, I am quite surprised that it's that easy to ring up the plane people and get them to put just arrange all the letters. How does that work? How do they attach them all to the thing, to the banner? And just they're just not, you know, luckily they didn't have anything else going on that day. They straight up, up we go. Maybe it was the plane banner industry that was behind all of this because <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, maybe they're not publicised enough, but I don't know what plane banners are used for otherwise. Yeah. You don't use them for advertising. It's just for football controversy. Yeah. So I. I don't think there's enough to sustain the industry, frankly. A couple of people pointed out on Twitter, um, there was a video of um, Leeds fans um, protesting outside the ground and they were running after the Liverpool uh, team coach, booing. And as several people pointed out, they've never seen those two things combined before, <laughs> people running and booing at the same yeah. time, which, which, until it was pointed out to me, just realised how absolutely ridiculous it is. I mean, booing by itself, you know, boo- one person booing on their own is on the face of it utterly ridiculous loads of people booing very impactful but when you see people running and booing charlie it was like a herd of cows that's so true it's such a sedentary thing to do isn't it (laughs) you you, you can't you can't be moving while booing you definitely can't be moving and booing um i really hope that doesn't catch on it was very unsettling i didn't like seeing it and uh yeah i just hope it is never how long do you hold the boo for that's all it's always the thing really isn't it even even harder i guess if you're running yeah Yeah. exactly but even booing in the stands it is always the thing to think about it's never never comes naturally to me like how much i agree though i'm not which part of the diaphragm does the boo come from it's just not a very satisfying noise to make it's you know it's um yeah, I, I agree. I'm not. I'm not massively into it. I mean, if you're angry enough to boo, you're probably angry enough to shout something way more impactful. But then, yeah. I guess it doesn't. It doesn't have the cumulative effect. I understand that. But I mean, when you're running, it course it kind of undulates the boo as well as you're running, which really <laughs> takes the edge off and makes it way sillier than it should do. So <laughs> they, I don't think they thought it through. Is what I'm saying. Maybe they should have positioned themselves in a more strategic place first, then started booing rather than running. Uh, one to ponder for them, Dave. The inevitable kind of upshot of all of this and again the turnaround for this was quite impressive which was the homemade banners that appeared outside Stamford Bridge the the standout too for me being we want our cold nights in Stoke which was which was a really lovely reference to true football and what they're trying to take away from us and then one simple A4 size banner that simply read no Quite simple to the point. It's done its job, and it, and and within hours, the the no the no side of the campaign was victorious. But I I, do, I love the um the cold. We want our cold nights in Stoke. There's something brilliant about that, in, because obviously the expression is, can he do it on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke, yeah. or or whatever a Wednesday if you're really stretching it, um <laughs> but. Just we want our our cold nights in Stoke. We just yeah. we just they're, they're our cold nights. It, it it does sort of. I think when you take the Tuesday out of it, it just mm. it sounds like they're just they're mourning just being able to be just pop up to Stoke and be cold for the. Evening. <laughs> like, it's, it's, just go for a wonder. You can but still I, do that again. I, I, it's still there. It's still like cold. This this kind of vague concept of ownership over things in you know. Uh, intangible things in football that that would be taken away from them. I mean, I, 
I've I've been guilty at times of saying that maybe sort of fans are very entitled when it comes to sort of minor things about their team. But in this case, it's yeah, this is our thing. This is our thing that, that you know that may not matter to you, but it matters to us. And yeah, I suppose I kind of agree. Um, Charlie Damien McKenzie writes in and says it's those Spurs fans who had already made their banners ahead of Wednesday night who are the real victims here. It's not like Dunelm will take those bed sheets back. Um, is this going to be a kind of after the Lord Mayor's show protest? I mean, they're going to have to do it. I mean, you can't just not do it now, can you? Yeah, yeah, so that is a really good. Point. Point that they'd have thought like right get my admin done but this is kind of what i mean about like the you know you're reading stories and you're like this is just going to be out of date anytime soon so yeah with mm. planes and uh, banners at the moment i guess the message is you've really got to hold your nerve because it's such a fast moving news story um but at the same time you want enough time for the you know the bed sheets and the uh the banners to be made so it's it's a very tricky balance Speaking of bedsheets, Dave, um, listener Michael Cox writes in and says, a mate proudly wrote sack the board type message on a bedsheet but made the mistake of choosing a fitted sheet. So it just curled up into an unreadable mess. He took it along anyway. Hadn't thought about this. I mean, um, fitted bedsheets, very handy when you're actually making a bed. You, you're very grateful yeah. for, the, for the kind of clinginess. But when, you're, when, you, when you want to really relay a message to, uh, to, to an un, unsuspecting uh, mass of it's, people, it's very much a, it doesn't a work. a two-man job that really to unfurl it you can't do it definitely yeah yeah. not only have you got to hold it but you've got to keep it taut um which is what yeah now i think about it i don't think i've ever seen a fitted sheet used as a as a banner there was a lovely sound outside stanford bridge i mean this was almost like um, a set of fans as if they've just heard a goal's gone in at another ground to save them from relegation but this was this was a set of fans celebrating uh, a development in football administration then the news filtered through about the rumors of chelsea's intention to leave and this was the reaction The next step for this, Adam, is a few years ago, um, on the last day of the 12-13 season, when Spurs and Arsenal were going for the Champions League, there was a mm. fake goal. Oh, yes. Um, was that the Alan Sugar was, tweet? May, yeah, quite possibly. It was that Newcastle had supposedly equalised against yeah, yeah. Arsenal, which Spurs needed to get top four, which was actually made up. So, yeah, the <laughs> next step is that when there's next to kind of Super League thing, is that, you know, oh, Chelsea have withdrawn, and it turns out it's a massive hoax and actually they are going to be in it and yeah. all of that all of that cheering was it's wonderful nothing. though but, isn't it because the, the great thing about this is I don't know if this exactly lines up but obviously hmm. last night whilst that thousand or so Chelsea fans were outside celebrating this news of administrative collapse inside the ground Chelsea were playing Brighton and to a <laughs> nil-nil draw which was just a perf- absolutely perfect backdrop to we we yeah. fought for this and we've still got our nil nil draws against Brighton. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> our nil nil draws. Absolutely right. I bet. I mean, but in traditional circumstances, this kind of filtering through of information is usually done. You know, someone's listened to it on a kind of wireless transistor radio, radio. their ear, transistor radio, or I guess in more modern context, they got it from I don't know live score on their phone or something, but. It was just the ripple of of celebration was quite natural. So, you know, someone was obviously in charge of of keeping up to date with the developments. I don't know, maybe they had sort of Sky Sports News on on the phone. And then Brian Swanson confirming something (laughs) and then it rippled through the crowd. I just thought it it was very natural, very organic. It's good to see that filtering through of information still works in any particular context. I particularly enjoyed this. This this clip did the rounds... um, uh, at the height of the outrage and it was absolutely fantastic this is from um, standing room only on the bbc back in 1994 which was speculating quite 
even-handedly on the prospect of a future European Super League. Do you think television is too powerful in sport now? In 10 years' time, you won't believe the control that they'll have. Television will run football completely in the next century. <laughs> in 10 years' time... The fans will be incidental. It's always this guy. If they yeah. are part of the equation, it will only be I think because I a podcast the television companies want them to provide. I've only ever seen Alex Finn as a talking head on, on so a very serious program. Always speak sense. Good evening. Welcome to Magpie TV, where tonight you'll watch Barcelona versus Newcastle United in the European Super League. Super League. You'll watch it on his own local Newcastle cable station because the BBC or ITV won't be able to afford the, the rights to the game. The cable operator will have paid a fortune for it, but he knows he'll get the money back from subscription. It's probably going to be done on pay-per-view, so you put a, a card and a number on your telephone, tap it in, five quid docked from your account, docked. the game pops up. I don't think there'll be any room for fanzines once um, we have pay-per-view TV systems, once we have credit card entry to ground, a more middle-class audience which will be bombarded with literature as soon as they walk in through the turnstile anyway. <laughs> the new style of fan will see losing as a sign of failure and will not want to turn up. Hence, the hardcore support that always carries a club through its leaner times will have gone, um, priced out to be replaced by people who are really just glory hunters. If this is the future of football, you can stuff it because I and all the other old-style <laughs> fans just want no part of it at all. Some of that is very episodic, isn't it? absolutely nailed it. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's great, and uh, there there is a um, this is the sort of distant cousin, really, of the um, here's what the England team will look like in in the 2022 mm. World Cup, mm. isn't it? It's like and, and and indeed a more accurate depiction of the future than those have ever been. But they've got the main points right. Yeah, pay per view, tick, more middle class audience, yeah. tick, you know, yeah. credit card entry into grounds, tick, fanzines not as popular, tick, but. I mean, this was, what, 1994? So obviously they hadn't really conceived of the internet. So like there, there, there are yeah. just some crucial gaps missing. Like I love the little shot there where, <laughs> where he says, oh, and of course he will put, he, it will be pay-per-view. So it'll be a, so it'll be a car that you have to put the number into your telephone. And you'll yeah. be his local cable TV stations. Like it's just, it's so close to being completely spot on, but just without yeah, the gaps. Yeah, I, I quite like the imperfection mm. of it. I quite like the fact they got something slightly wrong. Otherwise it would have been just too perfect. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Um, maybe the whole thing was just so predictable. But um, the development on Tuesday, Charlie, was that um, just before it all became all came crashing down, Jordan Henderson was convening a meeting of the Premier League captains, and all I could have, or the only image I could have in my head is that they would all wear their armbands for the meeting <laughs> <laughs> on Zoom, wearing their armbands. Um, who do you think would have the worst Wi-Fi? Probably, presumably Burnley. I don't know. Is that is that? You're obviously going to say Burnley. Why did why the poor old Burnley always get the stick? They've got Wi-Fi in Burnley. Ben Mee's Wi-Fi is better than your Wi-Fi, Adam. Difficult place to go. Difficult place to go and install Wi-Fi. That's it's commonly known. <laughs> I do love I love the idea of it though. Like because you know the meeting actually didn't happen. So but the meeting was scheduled for Wednesday, but by the time the meeting had rolled around, they would you know the meeting had been called off. Shame. So presumably Henderson would have you know, communicated with the with the captains in the WhatsApp group. But I, I do really hope that someone and why not why not put this person as Ben Mee from Burnley? <laughs> is is he even the captain? I hope he is. And 
you know, I hope that he didn't, that he missed, he, he's accidentally muted the WhatsApp group and he's sitting, he's in the waiting room on Zoom, <laughs> just sitting there, just just waiting. Just go on without me, lads. Where is everyone? Yeah, yeah. Which, which captain's the most likely to be like, oh, can you send the Zoom? It's like, yeah, ha- have already sent the link about <laughs> 10 times. Like, check your email, check your yeah. email. Like, no, yeah. no, no, I don't think I've got it there. As Piliqueta kicking off. Why have we got six of you from Arsenal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't all turn up, just one of you, please. Um, Yeah, I mean, that wasn't even close to being the most surreal, even potential moment of this whole um, news cycle. Um, Inevitably, here goes Ian Holloway going a bit weird. I spent time watching um, Philip Duke Duke of Edinburgh's funeral on the weekend, and and for the first time in a long time, I was really proud of being British. Um, And this morning, that's just gone away. (laughs) um dave this never has a football man sounded so much like someone who was ringing up Talksport at 3 a.m to talk about something completely uh, irrelevant um absolutely bizarre situation i i love ian holloway though i really i really do i've i've had i've had the fortune of of working with him in the past and I can I can very much assure anyone listening who has ever cast doubt as to whether any of Holloway's eccentricities are for show or that he's aware of you know the sort of character and how people like it's not it's completely 100% genuine he will def- mm. he will be sitting there having watched that funeral and being really upset he would link the two things that's how the man's how how, how that, can you link the two things that's just how he operates this is how he thinks and there's a wonderful innocence <laughs> about it and i love it it's great fair enough um yeah it does seem completely genuine not to pick on talk sport charlie but um uh, this is perhaps a snippet of, of social media activity that kind of perhaps summed up the whole situation so well. Um, the, the circle of life when it came to news reporting, and I, I can I can sympathise with how this may have happened. Someone created a parody talk sport Twitter account and, and tweeted out the perfectly feasible concept that uh, Andrea Agnelli had resigned from Juventus in the fallout of all of this. And lots of people picked it up and lots and lots of um, football correspondents um, um, passed it on. And then it got back to Talk Sport, who tweeted it as a breaking piece of breaking news, which is just so sensationally perfect as a circle of, yeah. of social media life. Um, well done to everybody involved. Um, nobody died. It's absolutely fine. It's just, uh, it's just that your parody account got back to the real thing. Yeah, and it's totally understandable, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, you know obviously this sort of thing shouldn't happen but you know but everyone was so frantic mm. and so much was going on you, you can see how it would happen and yeah as you say it's just it's Woodward had just resigned but- and like it, it felt like something massive was happening literally every five minutes yeah. and but it, is, it is amazing that in this day and age when we're so used to fake news people are so switched on to that there, there even the um the day before when you know by the way as in case anyone actually doesn't know, Mourinho got sacked on Monday, and <laughs> no one has no one has talked about it since. But like, there was that whole thing that went around from an obviously parody Twitter account that he'd re- resigned because he refused, been oh, sacked yeah. because he refused to take the players out to training in protest at the Super League. And <laughs> this this the level of hysteria. It just it's just like things like this. If they if they by chance almost, but if they just tweeted out at the right time. And the right yeah. person Completely. retweets it, it's gone. It's out there. But this isn't this isn't about sort of sensational fake news. This is about getting something that's actually really quite believable. I love the fact that it's mundane things that go round round the 
around the houses rather than something massively sensational because um, it really reminds you to keep on your guard with this sort of thing but still you know that wasn't the most surreal moment Charlie a lot of people were talking about how we hadn't heard from the players and and the players were being pressed for their reactions and in a lot of cases I was quite sympathetic to the fact that a lot of them were kind of nonplussed by it or gave a hint that they weren't really approving but didn't really want to say anything but we're not not everybody I mean Arsenal's (laughs) Rob Holding was pretty unequivocal that's fair to say Yeah, sorry, just to be clear, this is Rob Holding playing the Champions League anthem on his piano. With the caption, just a bit of fun. <laughs> Rob, the same Rob Holding who played Wonderwall earlier in the season at like... Oh, is that right? 3am, uh, when um, he was sort of wired after a game. I, I love that. The obvious joke is I'm sure the, the Europa League theme is too complicated for him to learn. Yeah. Piano. But like, it is what, that is lovely. It is absolutely beautiful. To revive a constantly ongoing football cliches theme... Where do we stand on this being a nice touch slash classy touch? I think it's a nice touch. Yeah, because it's not... I think classy, they'd have to be... Wasn't doing it on behalf of anybody, was he? Yeah, or like, you know, that it was magnanimous in some way, I think, is a classy touch. You know, that that would be if we, you know, if... It wasn't even mischievous, was it? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a nice touch. The reason it's so endearing is that he's obviously... He's got a piano, he's probably having lessons, got a lot of spare time. Probably needs a few more lessons by the sounds of it because he's he's not he's not sat down with both hands he's not doing the chords <laughs> and the whole thing he's just well he wasn't he wasn't just tapping it out with one finger I mean there, there were multiple notes going on there I'm no music expert but that seems quite it hard does to remind me of when I had a keyboard when I was a kid and I like learnt to play the Star Wars theme tune and like with <laughs> one finger not Star Wars again. yeah well there you go but it's like he's learnt that little bit and it's that's enough. But it's not, he's not a proper player, but I like it. I applaud the effort. Fair enough. I used to play out the uh, piano riffs to happy hardcore tunes on my, on my <laughs> Well, that, yeah, I, um, explains everything. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I, I hesitate to say this. Um, I'm The only slight disappointment I have, Charlie, with the fact that the Super League is never going to come to fruition, at least not in its proposed format, is that I do have some questions that really do remain rather unanswered because they never really put any depth to their proposal. Um <laughs> First of all, um, where were they going to be getting their referees from? I mean, I feel, I feel like this is something that they probably didn't think about. They were sitting around the table saying, right, we can get this much broadcasting revenue. We're going to invite these teams, maybe these ones as well. But I don't reckon they thought about these technicalities. Well, when we talked last week, we were talking about the assistant referee who'd been sacked. So yeah. maybe he was, I bet he was knocking around thinking, hello, <laughs> A disgruntled former UEFA employee. Yeah, yeah. Mario Dykes. I mean, I think, you know, with a point to prove as well, he could have done some <laughs> exceptional um, assistant refereeing. Uh, yeah, very possibly. Um, um, without, without wanting to bite the hand that feeds me too much, I had this kind of image of the Super League announcing their referees in the same way that the Athletic announced all their rights. I was rights. just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Anders Frisk, why? I joined the yeah, Super League. So, why I joined the European <laughs> Super League. Yeah, sort of politely saying that I got a little bit frustrated with the previous laws of the game. I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to do what I want to do and uh, give give offsides that I think are offside and not. When I was growing offside, up, yeah. I would just you know go into random games and put you know call offsides, and now I'm getting the opportunity to do that with the best assembled team of referees assistants. I brandished my first yellow card. <laughs> still in the womb. Um, but like semi-seriously, I'm just thinking: would, would they be sort of bringing back retired referees? Like, I, I don't know. Kalina. Yeah. Well, Kalina would have to be involved. He's the head of. He's the head of the IFAB, though, isn't he? So. Oh, is he? he? Is. Oh, yeah. He's kind of. He's, yeah. he's otherwise engaged. I don't know. I reckon they could poach Ellery. 
What about Clattenburg? What's what's his? He'd be available, wouldn't he? Yeah, surely. None of this. He'd get the tattoo. Mandatory retirement age nonsense. <laughs> yeah, God, has he got space left for the uh, <laughs> as yet unestablished Super League logo? He'll be um, raging. Well, he may have done that already. Yeah, sorry, Clats, if you've got your logo sorted already, really sorry about that. You never know. Another day, perhaps. Really enjoyed James McNicholas's tweet. It says, um, from Arsenal's perspective, but how will we play Olympiacos? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are so many, yeah, European matchups that would never have seen the light of day which is a real shame. But yeah, Arsenal versus Olympiacos never being a prospect ever again. It would have been a huge tragedy. So um, for that reason alone, I'm glad the Super League didn't come about. But Charlie, the branding, this was this was a very interesting aspect of the of the outrage machine, which was as soon as kind of the branding was released and their website was put out into the into the world and uh, the Twitter account was kind of filtered out. So this, this for, I mean, as an aside, the Twitter account now has 101,000 unserved followers who are never <laughs> going to get a tweet from this account. I feel like they should donate it to like a children's charity or something like that, you know, something of worthy cause just to salvage this situation. But the immediate reaction to the branding, which was this kind of sort of um, global Technicolor T-shirt style um, colour scheme, it was it was widely panned. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was all right. It looked kind of fresh, kind of modern. We don't have to say everything is shit about it, do we? It was shit. Come it on. It wasn't, was it? It was fine. It was rubbish. It was fine. It, looked like, it, looked it was like nice fun. Microsoft Word. The gradient was very Word art. <laughs> it was fairly amateur. And I think because it tied in with everything else being so amateur, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was an easy thing to jump on. The logo, if you could call it that, was uh, like a centre circle of a pitch, which, as we established on this podcast like last week, was entirely unnecessary. So, if anything, um, the whole thing was a shambles from the very, very start. But, uh, Dave, what about the anthem? And they would have had to. The Super League would have inevitably had an anthem, right? Who they would have had to poach someone to kind of compose it. David Guetta, well, presumably Rob Holding, surely. <laughs> Rob Holding yeah. feet David Guetta. <laughs> Rob Holding having to issue a statement saying, do you know what, I, I, I didn't want to miss out. You know, I, I didn't want to miss the boat in case it turned out to be this huge step in my musical <laughs> career, so I had to do it. Charlie, the, um, one of the very first things that came to my mind as soon as I heard about this concept of a regular European competition is that presumably we would have had a weekly episode of Super League Weekly. <laughs> and, uh, and as the trajectory of this nonsense has gone on, as the clubs have slowly pulled out and maybe even more have done while we've been recording this for what feels like about four hours, the only teams left are Real Madrid and Juventus, which do feel like the most Super League Weekly teams. And Zinedine Zidane, who has the most Super League Weekly turn of phrase... I have never heard him say anything interesting in a pre-Champions League conference. It would have been so, you know, Juventus are a very strong team with a very rich history. But also, we have dangerous players too. And we can win any game over 90 minutes. There'd have been that thing as well, wouldn't there? Of You know, th- that voiceover of, I'm really enjoying living in, in London. It's, <laughs> right? it's, it's difficult being from home and the food's different and the weather's different. But I'm really looking forward to Sunday's game. Just kind of that tone of just Juve. I'm looking forward to playing Juve for the 34th time this season. It's certainly going to be an interesting game. Although the food is different here from where I was back home. You've, you've like, absolutely nailed the emphasis there. It feels like the emphasis is always on slightly the second word. It, it is a difficult time. It's, Whether it is different. I just, I love that voice. It's so yeah. good. And it's like the same guy that's been doing it for, for like Transworld Sport Days. And it's yeah. always about the food and the, uh, the weather being different. From a broadcasting perspective, Dave, we are missing out potentially on a whole shitload of previewing and reaction I mean, just how tedious could that have become after maybe like one season of the Super League? 
this sort of leads us down the path of a lot of the outrage was like, I don't want to see Arsenal playing Atletico Madrid six times in a season. <laughs> Is, but were they going to be playing six times in a season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a bit like it got to sort of VAR levels of sarcasm. It's like, stop getting away from the reality. Address the reality. It wasn't going to be Liverpool versus Real Madrid every week. They were going to play twice. Maybe once more in the playoffs. At least yeah. address the reality. Of it. I know. I had the exact same thought. I was really curious to know where that came from. <laughs> it's really annoying. Really, really annoying. Let's end. Let's end on this on a perhaps an optimistic future-facing note. Sam Richards asks us, "What will be the nature's healing moment of the post-Super League world?" Dave, what's the what's the first kind of mundane thing that's going to happen in a in a normal football news cycle that will make you think, "Yep." Yeah, Everything's back to normal. I think, as I said earlier, it might have already, it might have happened literally at the same time. I think, I think Chelsea drawing nil nil with Brighton, as chaos, as as chaos surrounded them, was was just the absolute most perfect, perfect thing. It was, you know, the contrast was spectacular. You could not have written it any better. That you know, this is what we want. We, you know, because Brighton are one of those clubs that gets held up as Florentino Perez doesn't want to doesn't want these clubs to be playing Brighton. They want to be playing each other. But you have to play yeah. Brighton. You have to play yeah. Burnley with their shit Wi-Fi. Like, you, we, yeah. we need them. I don't think I ever want to get away from those teams. It's not even a romantic thing. I just feel like they're a, they're a constant in my life. I like watching Burnley on a Friday night. I, and it's something I don't have to watch and I don't feel like I'm appointed to watch. But I think just from a point of view of, like, in what's been such an extraordinary few days of something like reassuringly mundane, um, a transfer story, just, you know, yes. maybe like maybe like Josh King is weighing up his options um, <laughs> for next season has been linked with a move to Southampton or something. I think that would be just like, ah, oh, okay, cool. We've we're we're out of this sort of apocalyptic um, state, and and actually like things are vaguely getting back yeah. to normal. I think that that would that would make me feel quite because, reassured. Because we have had this weird this slight weird thing in the last few days, like when um, when Man United were playing Burnley, when Liverpool were playing Leeds, there was this sort of hesitancy from the commentators to sort of, well, Liverpool have potentially blown the chance of getting into next season Champions League but will they be playing in the Champions League we mm. can't qu- and yeah. it has sort of felt like the whole football universe and as we know it has been put on hold and we're still tentatively we're still not quite sure that we can we can talk about Everton's race for the Europa League next season or you know Wolfsburg be playing in the Europa Conference League next season and it's still we're still we're still not fully out of the woods yet, are we? I don't think. Uh, that makes me a bit worried. It makes me worried that we're now in for like six months of COVID-style sort mm. of caveats to everything we mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Um. Oh, I can't be having that. I just want to hear Brian Swanson reading out a normal number on Sky Sports <laughs> News, and then I know everything will be fine again. But yeah, but it's left behind a trail of rubble. The Super League nonsense and reputations have been left in tatters. But we did enjoy forty-eight hours of unprecedented football content. And for that, I think we have done well to dig deep into the experience. Well done, everybody. Well done, Dave. Well done, Charlie. Let's look ahead to a fresh, wholesome future for football. See you later. The Athletic.